Hello there, I'm Randy. And I'm Jim Bareford, and you are listening to Leave the Bottle. It'll be leavethebottlepodcast.com or iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. So, <laughs> first uh, up, Cosmos Premiere. Yes, I, I I broke my cardinal rule of watching live TV because I'm a severely allergic to commercials. My wife and I are both. We break out in hives, you know, at the first, you know, Clorox. I don't know if they even make Clorox anymore commercials. But because it seemed so special last night with Cosmos, uh, we had to watch it live. And uh, have you watched it yet? I have watched it. In fact, I posted a bunch of photos on Google+. Plus. Uh, one on Twitter. By the way, we're on Twitter. Leave underbar the bottle because the name's too long. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there was already a leave the bottle with no underbar. Of so course. yes, I have watched the whole thing, and I'll tell you about it as soon as you give your impressions. Uh, I absolutely I loved it. I I'm a space geek from the time I was a wee lad back in the '60s uh, with, uh, you know, the space program and Apollo and, and all of that. So I've been one of those people who looked up at the stars and wondered how and wondered why ever since I could recall. So for me, this fits right into my comfort zone. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I'm going to enjoy it a lot more the rest of the next 12 episodes when I'm not watching with any commercials. I, I, I can't do that anymore because I felt like it was continually disrupting the pace of the program. Uh, but as far as the program itself, uh, really neat graphics. Uh, I saw that there were some people who weren't enamored with a cartoon uh, when they were depicting the, the guy in the 1500s. I didn't mind that. I mean, nowadays we're so used to the to the graphics being so spectacular and so forth that it kind of was an interesting throwback idea. I felt I could see why some people were, you know, not as enamored as I was of it, but uh, I see great potential in this series and being a big Tyson fan anyways, uh, I'm really happy. There was one part though that I have to say the one thing that I didn't care for, and I'm probably going to have to watch it again because I don't think I misheard it. There's this wrong assumption by many people that nobody before Copernicus thought that we revolved around the sun, that it was the other way around. And that's just not true. There was many learned, many very smart people 2,000, 3,000 years ago who were fully cognizant of the fact that Earth revolves around the sun. And there was one point where he said, and it was leading into a commercial break, so that's kind of why it stuck with me, where he said, the one person who, you know, realized. And it's like, that's just not true. That's I'm going to go back and listen again, but he did say that at one point. I was trying to give the benefit of the doubt after they came back from the commercial when they were talking about the story that he may have meant it in a different manner. But the way it came off sounding was like, uh, I forget the guy's name now. Uh, the, the, the Bruno. Monk. Bruno, okay, Bruno, that Bruno was the only person, like, other than maybe Copernicus, who realized that. And it's still taught that way a lot of times in school. I know I was pretty much taught in school that, you know, before Copernicus, you know, the world was flat. The world, you know, the, the heavens and stars circled the earth. And that's just not so. So that was my one 
quibble that I had with it. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know that it's a minor quibble really, because if in fact that's what he really said, that's a major distortion. But I'm, I'm willing to go back and look at it again. Well, there could have been a mistake there. But um, as he says, follow the evidence wherever it leads, question everything. Um, that was in his intro. It was a good one. I okay, so I this is kind of what I posted too, is that I was given a book when probably sixty years ago, when I was a little kid. Somebody gave me a book that was called I think The Life Guide to the Universe or the Big Life Photos of the Universe or something. And it was all artists' renderings. Obviously nothing was out there yet. We had not sent any bodies sixty years ago. Well Sputnik maybe, but even that was before Sputnik, I think. Uh, there were no color photographs. So these are full-color artist renderings that looked a lot like what you saw on Cosmos yesterday, except it wasn't animated, and they were not as high definition. Anyway, that book, I mean, I remember that book to this day. I can remember the feeling of looking at that book and the wonder that it generated in me, and I just absolutely loved it. And I really wish that Cosmos could be, that the series could be seen by children of all cultures, races, religions, and everywhere in the world, if it could just be made available somehow at schools, at, you know, universities, bring young children in and do this showing. Um, Of course, right away, there's a slightly depressing part of that, which is that the reaction of a lot of probably religious bodies would be uh, that is the same that put Bruno in jail for eight years of his life and, and got him executed. I, they're stepping on eggs, you know. Um, I jokingly put up Tyson 2018, you know, for the American election, for example. Is it, is it, does anyone not see how obvious it is that that couldn't even get a start? Because the man is super intelligent. He's not phoning it in, whatever the opposite of not phoning. He's just so sincere. I, we don't know this for a fact, but I think he's got the integrity. I really do. I feel that way. He believes what he's saying. He's erudite. He has every quality you would want in someone to represent a country and to run it. The only one thing is that he probably isn't going to be saying, God bless America, every day, in every speech. And basically, all of the, from the creationists up the scale, anyone who has anything to do with organized religion would probably oppose it. And since that represents a very large segment of not the population as much as the power base and the money and the big money. So, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But he's great. I would never compare uh, him to Carl Sagan. There's absolutely nothing to be gained in comparing uh, the two people or the two shows. Cosmos was a brilliant thing. It was made in its day, and now, thanks to uh, Seth MacFarland, who I don't really care for much, but thank you to him, anyway, for doing this, because he's the one that's responsible for making this happen. Uh, quick comment on the uh, the, car- the cartoons or whatever, the drawing thing. That surprised me for like a second. However, I thought it was fine. Um, if they would have used live actors, I think that would have created a History Channel hokiness that might have detracted, possibly. Even though, I mean, it would be, I'm sure it would be beautifully, beautifully done, but you know you're in a documentary when you see the old bearded guy. So there, it was kind of a fun thing. Also, remember, we're talking maybe about this getting into children's minds, and maybe kids see that kind of thing as, I don't know how to say it, 
say this. I guess a, a drawing, a funny kind of cartoonish drawing of an elderly man in prison would make a different and more accessible image for a young child than an actual guy lying on filthy rags, especially since you see that on most street corners of, of cities today. So I hope, I hope that's clear because I spent way too much time on that thought, but that's probably why. And I personally will not criticize any aspect of it. I thought it was great. I was totally practically in tears at the very end when he spoke of his meeting with Sagan. I thought that was just fantastic. That was a great way to take it out. Uh, I can't say enough good, so I'm going to shut up. I, you know, I, I had I had read yesterday in the online story that I uh, that I uh, mentioned in yesterday's uh, podcast about that meeting between them long ago. I wish I hadn't read that because it was really cool when he showed the original diary entry last night mm-hmm. in the in the program. I kept thinking during the show because I have a ten year old niece and a thirteen year old nephew. It's like, I'm wondering right now if they're watching this. I'm hoping and hoping that they're watching this because I think that these are the things that that children do need to see to to get that intellectual curiosity going. I mean, I was much younger than either of them when I started watching Walter Cronkite and Wally Schirra. You know, I mean, to me, the space program, that's what it was. It was, you know, it was Walter Cronkite and then as, you know, Later on, Wally Shiraj joining in. And I kept wondering last night how many children are watching yeah. right now. I'm hoping that some parents broke a rule and kept their children up later last night to or watch DVR'd it. it. Or DVR'd it. Or DVR'd it. I, I have a feeling it's, I said to my wife at one point that this is probably going to be a huge um, Blu-ray DVD oh, sure. event later yeah. this year. But I remember back in the 60s, they used to pull in the TV sets into our classrooms mm-hmm. to watch the latest space launch, um, you know, and so forth. I mean, the original moon landing was in July, so we were off from school. But we, we still had a lot of that. And I I wish that Fox, because in the East Coast, it was on at 9 o'clock last night. And that's that's late for, you know, 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds, you know, 11-year-olds on a Sunday night with school the next day. I wish they had flip-flopped, because I guess they had Family Guy before that. I wish they had flip-flopped it and had it on at 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock for the East Coast kids, because the West Coast was shown at, at 9 o'clock as well. Um, I think it's a really important type of series that's, and I'm all for you know some of the mindless stuff that's out there on TV. I don't expect everything to be highbrow. I don't expect everything to be a teaching moment. And I, you know I'm perfectly fine with that. But when it's something like that, make it truly accessible at the time uh, for everybody, not just for the older kids and not just for the adults. Because I think that there's a seven-year-olds out there that would have watched that last night, and hopefully some did. And we're like in wonderment and like, wow, you know, and maybe that's the the building block for them to maybe someday for that little seven-year-old girl in Chicago to someday she can be an astrophysicist also, you know, and that's my hope. Um, And I think that that's, I think that there's going to be a lot of interesting and stunning visual and um, stories that are going to come out of this over the next 12 weeks. I mean, that's my hope anyways. I, you know, I loved it and I'm, I'm a complete geek. And so it, for this geek, it was wonderful. But anybody who had, you know, I mean, from forgetting the science for a second, just the scale of the universe. I mean, yeah, that is science. But at the same time, 
just looking at the relationship of, of us and the atoms that make us up, I think I said this yesterday, before Cosmos, uh, the distance. Remember I made a reference to something I had heard where the Empire State Building was the number of years that there have been, uh, that the planet existed, uh, and that uh, human uh, humans have lived on the planet. If the, if the number of years was the Empire State Building, humans would be the thickness of a penny or something like, or a dime, which is the thinnest coin. Um, and he did that, the way they did that was was better because... It was the chronology. The chronology look, that thing with the calendar, and where it comes up to something yes, like what that is was it? great. Thirty first of December at you know like a quarter to midnight is when man came into play, and, and that that whole thing. And I mean, uh, if a child, I mean, unless the child has absolutely no powers of concentration, the imagery would would get them lost. I took my, um, I, I at one time I was taking care of a little boy, um, girlfriend's little boy, and I took him to see Dumbo. And I looked over during the thing. You remember Dumbo Disney, the, the elephants right. can fly. Yep. And I looked over, and in those days, you didn't have cell phones and take a picture. And, of course, you, would have been sh- you wouldn't have been shot in a theater taking a picture <laughs> either. <laughs> anyway, boy, that's pretty circular reference there. Yes. Um, I can remember that image to this day, and that was probably forty, at least 40 years ago, which is the elephant, the Dumbo drawing reflected in his eyes, and his eyes were huge. They were, you know, the expression wide-eyed. He was totally wide-eyed and, uh, and uh, completely emerged, immersed in this experience of, ah, an elephant can fly. And I kind of had a tear myself during that movie. Um, I'll have to see it again, see if that still works. But I doubt it. <laughs> uh, I do love that, and I call that the Dumbo effect, and I use that in music. I try to... You want to get that effect where it isn't about how good the drawing is or what it, you know, it's it's the scale and just this wonderment thing. And that's that's what they did. And that calendar that he made up was one way that it's just so enormous. It's so, you know, easy to understand, and hopefully. Anyway, sure, there will I'm, be a blue ray. I loved the, the calendar, the whole calendar uh, part of that my wife and I both did. But bringing back to something you mentioned earlier, I kept thinking over and over during the calendar thing, there's millions of people in the U.S. right now, particularly the U.S. South, who are just going insane or who are just like losing it. Like this, that's not true. That's not true. Even if you're not a literalist of the 6,500 years, which many uh, Mm -hmm. very religious people in the South are, but even if you aren't that strict of an interpretationalist, it goes completely against the Bible. It goes completely against a lot of people's core beliefs. And while we were watching it, uh, my wife and I were kind of talking a little bit about it and uh, saying, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who have a big problem with this whole presentation because it's taking it only from the science side as opposed to even not even a hybrid spiritual side because to me, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. It's all or nothing. Either you believe the science or you believe the religion. You can't have both. And I see people and and I know people who try to have it both ways. And either you believe the Bible interpretation of the creation or you believe the science 
I, I don't. I, I think it's a cop out to say, "Oh, I can pick and choose from both." I just, I firmly believe that's a total cop out. You believe one or the other. I think. My, that I disagree. I think that. Um, I think that it is possible. It obviously it's not possible if you go forget it. It's six thousand years. That's the end of discussion. I mean, no, that won't work. Um, but I don't think that the majority of Christians, even in the United States, believe the Bible literally. I don't think the majority of Christians know that much about Christianity, frankly. They know maybe more than I do, but that's it. Uh, I, I think that you can, with an, with an open mind, you can do the two, and there are religious scientists who are not creationists. Uh, we don't, Look, here's my viewpoint. It's very simple, and maybe it's original. We don't know. We don't know shit. You know what I mean? We really don't. Uh, and, if a, and if something like Cosmos says anything at all, it says... Hey, here's what we know, you know, both Sagan and I'm sure uh, Dr. Tyson would say, this is what we know. It's amazing, isn't it? Because we're small, and we're this small, tiny, then what, here's what we know. But the fact is, then they go to show you how absolutely enormous infinity is. And so, what do we know? We know nothing. Uh, we know, for example, we can conjecture, and I'm, uh, Jennifer yesterday agreed, you would agree, I'm sure, uh, Dr. Tyson would say also, of course there's life somewhere. There has to be life somewhere. It's infinite. Hello? That's what that means. So there is life. We just we, we may never discover it in, in thousands of years. We may never discover it. But because of the scale that show it uh, perfectly established, it's not unreasonable to say, oh yeah, we'll discover, li- other life will be discovered in like 7,000 million jillion years, and we won't be there. I don't know. So I think that we know so little, Jim, is what I'm saying, that it would be incorrect to say anything except, yeah, the Bible may not be literal, literally true. I, to me, like the real theologists, I don't believe thinkers are think they're thinkers, and I don't think they expect people to take that um, literally. But th- that's that's the line. Uh, I mean, no, if, but there's it, a lot of people who are making their living on making sure that people. Are are looking at it in a literal sense. Yes, so I don't but know. That's not a there are there are there are some reasonable. Absolutely, I agree with you that there are some theologians who are willing to consider sources other than the creationist theory for the uh, evolution for the creation and the evolution of the planet, the solar system, and so forth. But. Uh, there's still a lot. Of, I still stick to. I'm sorry. I, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. I don't. To me, it's, it's it's all or nothing on that. Although my wife did make an interesting comment uh, in the middle of us talking about it. She said, well, you realize that anybody who has that strict of a view, the 6,500 people, are almost certainly probably not going to be watching this program. Of course. And I said, well, absolutely, you're right, because they probably won't, because they won't want to put themselves through the aggravation of sitting there the whole time with watching a program that frankly goes against their core beliefs you know that well it stepped around core... as delicately as delicately as it could considering the topic which is hey you're probably not right about what you think of this but i mean they did, they did. It, it took the trouble to mention jesus and stuff like that in the in a time frame and i thought that was that was well done uh even though you know obviously we don't know if there ever was such a person uh, per, especially person or anything else. But anyway, that the whole thing was well done. We agree on that. If you want to touch on a couple of other things before we go, 
Um, you mentioned here's a small one. The the thing that Bobby Jindal said. You want to get into that? That I, th- I found that very interesting. That's a great story. Sure. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it was actually a post and from uh, Addicting uh, Info. It's a site. It's more of a leftist site, but mm-hmm. I, I don't agree with every thing they post. I don't agree with everything anybody posts, but that's, you know, that's the way it should be. And it's actually from last year, which they misleadingly didn't put uh. when they reposted it, that the story was from last August. But in it, uh, Jindal's talking about uh, the, why are we hyphen Americans, which normally I don't agree with anything at all that Bobby Jindal has to say or anybody on his side has to say. But Isn't I completely, he – take a break for a second. Many people don't know who he is. is what, I'm is sorry. He head of the RNC or something? No, no, no. He's the uh, governor of Louisiana. But he's also uh, was, was, was yes, head of the RNC, he, wasn't he? Yes. And his, and his he's a Republican. Came, Right and right and his uh, his parents came from India so he's Indian American I suppose Uh, and I agree with him on the whole hyphen thing because I think and I do agree with him it's Mm -hmm. shocking because I do think that it's a more of a divisive often it's a more of a divisive uh, term Um, that aside I was reading the comments which I typically more and more on websites I'm stopping reading the comments because it's just either it's infuriating or you just really realize how stupid some people are (laughs) but there was this brilliant comment by this woman she's a, a, a black woman living in America and she said I consider myself first black I consider myself second a woman and I consider myself an American third and she said, the reason for this is, if I left America and moved and moved someplace else, I would still be black. If I moved out of America and went someplace else, I would still be a woman. But if I left America and moved someplace else, I would no longer be an American. She's like, so why would I identify myself first and foremost as an American? And it's a couple of shows ago, I talked about how I don't consider myself an American other than when I'm paying taxes. Mm. I'm a citizen of the planet. I'm just a human being. Uh, and so it kind of struck me when I read that this morning by this woman, because to me, she she was smarter in that one comment than the 50 other comments that I read, many of which were actually from people on the left who were really pissed off at addicting info for a very misleading story because the headline was that he said that minorities should start acting like white people. And that's <laughs> not what he said at all. He did not say that at all. He said that we why, why not just be Americans instead of hyphen it because it's a divisive thing. I agree with him on there. But that woman's, uh, it was very interesting. And it, it goes into identity, I suppose. Um, well, she could have said, I, I hate to be, no, this is, I don't like to be contrarian. I really don't. But if I had to be devil's advocate, I could say that that's, I think that's a beautiful statement that she made. And I agree and I love the spirit of it. But the intellectual construction is faulty because she could have an operation and no longer be a woman, for example. Uh, you can change nationality, but you can also live someplace else and still be an American. And finally, I assume that her skin could be color could be changed. She could, you know, surgery could handle those things. So, I mean, as much as I love the spirit of that, I, that's not a hundred percent accurate. I'm sure Doctor uh, Doctor Tyson would not want us to take. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I'm also yeah. talking to somebody right now who is an American. I don't know if you still consider what you consider yourself at this point, but you've lived in France for half your life. Over right? half now, yeah. Well, um, the expatriates are are um, that's a whole other topic we could cover sometime. Uh, we're quite a group of majority. I would have to say majority liberals. I don't know why. Maybe because liberals have a tendency of being happier in other countries, possibly. Um, but I mean the celebration happier in general just in this yeah just in this country just in this town which isn't that big uh, there was a huge celebration for the presidential elections both times I mean you could actually hear shouts Uh, wow so yeah I mean it was it was was pretty amazing also you you tend because you don't have things like Fox News and people who watch Fox News around you day after day you tend to have a different level of satisfaction because of that. Uh, because the, all of the naysayers and negativity and hate-mongering that goes on, you see that in the newspaper. By the way, if you don't read the newspaper, you still see those headlines as you walk by a newsstand, for example. So we are inundated with the negative messages. And well, you guys have plenty of that over in Europe yourselves. I mean, that's not that's not that's indicative true. of that's not indicative of the U.S. alone. I mean, well, you have we don't a have Fox. That going we don't on. have anything like Fox News. I can tell you that right now. No, there is no major you, network here. There may be in Germany or, or some countries, you know, but in this country, I know for, there is no television station that that spends its entire career spouting that kind of nonsense. It just doesn't happen, and so the people in general don't hear it. There's the same discontent in every country about paying taxes and uh, the leaders and all of that, but it's the vibe is a lot different as far as people worrying about that kind of thing here. Now, because of the whole hyphen thing, um, I've I've never like when all my time in Canada and 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 being a, a really somebody who has had a lot of identity with Canada, I never hear Canadians refer that to themselves. In the hyphen sense, or I very rarely, anyways, have heard. Uh, I don't hear other countries, people in other countries, doing the hyphen thing. Um, it seems to oh, be yeah. oh, indicative yeah. of the U.S. only. I don't, you know, and I understand that we're more of a unique situation than most other countries. No, wait a minute. You said something that's not true. In uh, Switzerland, there are about four ethnic. Uh, well, there are a million ethnics, just like in every country, but there are four basic ones. And so uh, people would be called uh, German-Swiss, French-Swiss, Swiss. Swiss. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking because it's in, it's in French that you hear Suisse-Allemand. When someone's, it kind of gives the language they speak as well, by the way. But there is a cultural difference between, there's a big cultural difference between French and German not just language, but in attitude. So people well, do hyphenate those two. It's a very common, actually. Well, I don't, I, I'm not talking about so much about what they're identifying themselves about, mm-hmm. because in Canada, it's huge between the French in Quebec and the rest of Canada. I mean, and you have the separatists in Yeah, so people Quebec. say French-Canadian, for that matter. That's right, common. so, I mean, that's so, okay, so you see that, but that's... But you don't hear out otherwise. You don't hear Italian Canadians or Irish Canadians. No, you're right. I, I, that's kind of where I'm getting more at. Why there's this need by Americans to so identify with a particular another place that you know Grandpa Joe came from. You know, 
Sicily to form you know, a political, in 1922. Form of political you know, correctness. Yeah, it, it really is. Well, and as, as we know in America, you know, you can't breathe at this point without the political correct police, you know, out and about. Um, but for somebody like me, I'm such a mutt. I mean, everybody's a mutt, but I'm extremely a, a mutt to, to the extreme that um, I could, if I had to fill out a form with a hyphens, you know, I would need, you know, like three pages. Mm-hmm. And that, and again, it goes back to I, I'm not an American. I'm just not. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a citizen of the world. And it, it, when I hear people going on and on about it, and especially people who've never been, like, you know, somebody who's really proud to be an Italian and, you know, they got the sticker on their car and they got, you know, the Italian food and they, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Well, when's the last time well, I've never been? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you've never been, you know, you're that proud of it that, you know, you're, you're putting it out there all the time, but you've never been. Uh, that's the thing that I don't understand. It, it, wrapping yourself that much into an identity of something that you've heard secondhand or maybe third or fourth hand from distant relatives, but never experienced yourself that you're so are, you're so wrapped up within, you know, that part of it, you know, well, that's, you that's, know, that's what, that's what us Italians do. You know, I've, I've had more than a few friends and I'm not trying to pick on the Italians, but Italians are extraordinarily proud of, of their heritage. And that's fine. I don't have any problem with that, but it's like, well, that's what us Italians do. It's like you've never been to Italy. So really, no, that's what your grandpa did or your grandma did. That's not yeah, – I don't know. It, it, I, I suppose because I also live in an area where it's it's heavily like that, where there's a lot of enclaves where like in the town next to me, out of the 40,000 people, they estimate that still at today almost 20,000 come our descendants from one little town in Sicily hmm. and and a couple towns a couple towns over it's a big city now is now, the best like pizza a, over there too maybe they, oh my I got New Haven pizza I you know what New York good pizza Chicago shitty pizza New Haven pizza kicks the shit out of everybody hmm. um, it's world famous really um, but you get these enclaves you get these enclaves and you know and it's you know, it's. I had my my cousin's grandmother on the other side. True story. Quick, very quick story. She came over from Poland when she was five years old. She lived in Amsterdam, New York. Passed away in her early nineties. So almost ninety years she lived in Amsterdam, New York, which is a very heavy Polish community. There, she could barely speak English her whole life. Like I've met her she, many times, and she's wonderful. Just a wonderful woman. But she could barely speak any English, and she came over at like five, you know, in the early 1900s, because they wrapped themselves so far into that cocoon of all the newspapers in the town and Polish, the radio stations, and also the neighborhoods, the whole bit. They wrapped all into that. So I could see her calling herself Polish American. I could never understand why somebody could go that many years and barely be able to speak English, but you know, that's. But I don't understand as people that are so wrapped up in it who haven't firsthand experienced it. So that's my last words on that. Well, if they if they hand it down from there, you know, in the family, whatever, it's not a problem. It's only a problem when it interferes with things like love it or leave it. Right. Well, yeah. And that's, that's what we're going to have to do. With the, and that's what we're going to yes. have to do with the podcast. 
Yes, yes, because uh, we'll do both. We, we, we have to do this. Had to be a little bit of an abbreviated version because it's Monday morning, and because daylight savings time this weekend caused me to not be able to go to sleep last night until like one o'clock in the morning, um, and only get like three hours of sleep before going to work. But I don't have a violin, uh, but I've got a big bass, <laughs> stand-up bass in back there. Oh, I took the crying at like twelve thirty. I'm like, oh, I hate whoever moved over. Uh, I know. I, I had know. to get up at 6 a.m. Uh, for another similar reason. My wife uh, took a plane. She had to go someplace, and uh, the daylight savings time helped us because it's five hours, not six, between you and me right now. Okay, if I don't talk to you before then, have a great week. All right, you too. Have a great week. Okay, everybody. Not just Jim. Everybody have a great week. And go to check out Leave the Bottle Podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and LeaveTheBottlePodcast.com. Leave comments. If you hate me and like Randy, that's fine. Say it. and Unlikely. Uh, probably likely, but have a good week, everyone. Bye-bye.